Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. That's going to leave a mark. Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. We're here at the Green Flight Challenge 2011, sponsored by Google. In beautiful Santa Rosa, California. It is beautiful too, and a little chilly. But it doesn't matter because we're at a very exciting competition looking at new innovative technology being employed in these really interesting experimental aircraft. And we have a diverse group of competitors from all over who have come here to showcase what they have in green aviation. What's exciting, Franklin, is they're going to be evaluated in a lot of different ways, but four major ways are sound at takeoff, takeoff distance, they're going to run the entire course for miles per gallon efficiency, but then also, again, based on speed. All those things will be judged for a final score where some team may win over a million dollars. We have university in attendance as well as some companies that work with uh, general aviation. But I've already kind of chosen who I think is actually going to be the winner for this week based off of what I've seen. Franklin breaking out with a little early prognostication. Well, well tell us, Franklin, who do you think is going to win? Well, I think the uh, the team behind us, Team Pipistrelle, has actually demonstrated the best of what is out here today. Number one, they have a very unique design. This is a one-of-a-kind aircraft behind us. It's the, the Tosh G4, which is basically Check two... Check out the big brains on Franklin. Well, you know, I kind of read up <laughs> on it before we started. But it, it is a really unique aircraft, and it's one of a kind. And from what I've seen so far this week, I think they have the upper hand. Well, I tell you, Franklin, it's a good choice. They're certainly a great team. But I have to go with eGenius. Not only do I love the motor being mounted from behind, it's a very unique and efficient design. But also, they've got a great name, eGenius. I, I have an affinity for the genii. Because you're a genius yourself. <laughs> I fancy <laughs> <laughs> We're here with Brian Seeley of the CAFE Foundation. And Brian, tell us a little bit about the CAFE Foundation and how you got involved in this competition. Well, it really started with membership here in EAA Chapter 124, which has been the backbone of CAFE all these years. Dr. Larry Ford and I got interested in efficiency in small airplanes, formed a group, founded the foundation back in 1981. And for 10 years, we had the CAFE 400 races here in which we measured the performance of small experimental airplanes for speed times miles per gallon times cabin payload, a new concept of total efficiency. Becoming fairly well known for that, the National Center for the Experimental Aircraft Association approached CAFE and said, would you please be our test agency for experimental kit-build airplanes? And we did this then for 10 years here at this facility, which was provided to us by EAA National. NASA approached us and chose CAFE to be its partner in the Centennial Challenges for Aeronautics. Since then, we've put on two prior challenges 
they were more conventional general aviation. And upon realizing in 2008 that the world was changing and that the green issue and global warming climate change were emerging issues and that battery technology was coming along, we decided to take all of the remaining resources available for Centennial Challenge and put it into one big prize. And that's how we got here today. How have you felt about the response that you've had so far? It's a very good question because we wanted to set the hurdle bar very high, and yet we wanted it to attract a real diversity of innovators. We succeeded in that. We had 14 teams that registered, signed up, and were in the running. And then, of course, the true difficulty of this challenge began to make itself known, and the field began to have some attrition, as you might say. Uh, and we see just how hard it really is. And yet, that's an affirmation that I think we've set the bar just right. Brown, what were some of the obstacles that some of the teams were uh, unable to overcome? Well, quite a diversity of obstacles. One of them was funding. One of them was running out of time. One of them was the inevitable unforeseen event, a hard landing or a vibrating engine that couldn't be tamed or things of that nature. It was many different things that came into play, but it certainly wasn't inspiration. And I consider every single one of the 14 teams to have been a true hero to jump into this. Mm -hmm. As CAFE moves forward, what kind of challenges do you see in the future? I mean, especially with this relationship with NASA, you've had this. What's next for CAFE? The big excitement is that with electric aircraft, you have for the first time an opportunity for extremely low noise. If you solve the noise problem, then you solve the neighborhood problem, you solve the land use problem by bringing in the high lift technologies, the short runway capabilities, and the first step, as you've seen here, is to prove that the airplanes have a legitimate place in the world of efficient travel, emission-free, and that they can essentially rival a Prius in their economy. That's the great challenge. You know, nature has had 13 million years to perfect its aircraft, and we've had only 100. So we have a long ways to go. We're here with Joe Colbeth, and we're sitting in a Distair, it's motor glider, right? Is that what this is? Most people refer to it as a motor glider, but actually the category is glider. Okay. And self-launch. Because it has an engine, it doesn't require a tow plane to get it aloft and fly. I understand that another unique feature about this particular plane is that this is a former CAFE Challenge winner in 2008. That's correct. The exact model airplane, uh, that particular airplane now, 109 Uniform Alpha, lives in Portland, Oregon. But this is the exact same model. But that's cool. I mean, the, the main thing is that when we look at these challenges and see people competing, their, their technology doesn't just win an award. Eventually, it goes on and makes its way into planes, and they're used. And in this case, obviously, you've got a very efficient plane here. It's extremely efficient. It's like a Rolex watch. When it comes to an engine, it's smooth and silky, and you have to take care of it nicely, and it'll run forever. 2,000 hours is before overhaul. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lifetime. I think this might be the plane. This is it. Guys, I wanted to talk primarily about 
how NASA got involved in this particular Green Flight Challenge competition. We're looking for new frontiers, and electric propulsion, green flight, is a new frontier for brand new technologies. I mean, the electric motor and battery systems and controllers that you see demonstrated here in the competition are a bigger step away from turbines and reciprocating engines than we've taken in a long time. As far as NASA's concerned, you know, how do you decide which technologies you think are valuable and which ones you want to push? NASA knows where they want to be in 20 years, in 30 years. We look at our technology roadmaps, we see where our roadblocks are, then we go out to private industry, we talk with them, see where their technology points are that they need to get development on, marry the two together, and then we come up with a list of challenges we want to go forward with. Now, how do you determine what kind of objectives you want for a competition like this, the rules, if you will? For this uh, Green Flight Challenge, we specifically went after efficiency while keeping as much speed as was reasonable. And then we imposed some other constraints, such as how much noise you could make, how much distance you could take off with. So specifically, the Green Flight Challenge, the minimum threshold in order to win the $1.65 million prize is to achieve at least 200 passenger miles per gallon. So if you think of that, uh, you know, for instance, this Taurus G4 behind us, that's carrying four people. That means in order to just to qualify, this aircraft has to be able to fly 50 miles per gallon, wow. which is like a Taurus, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you look at uh, existing small aircraft, they're more like SUVs getting 10 miles per gallon. But the cool thing is, is this aircraft flies at two to three times the speed of a Taurus. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a huge step in efficiency while getting other really fantastic things like low noise, community noise, that's important to NASA. Zero emissions, that's really important to NASA. So there's all sort of cool things that go along with electric propulsion that you get for free. Speaking of $1.65 million, that, that seems like a lot of money. How do, how do you determine the prize and, and how is this typical uh, prize money used? Typically you're going to want to set a prize value that uh, is a percentage of what the participant would invest in their technology. A lot of our teams here have spent well more than $1.6 million just getting the technology there. So you combine across all the 13 teams and you're at tens of millions of dollars that went into this. That's one of the really powerful things about these Centennial Challenges, is you get this fantastic ratio of private investment versus public investment. So 1.65 million may sound like a lot, it's not a lot of money when you're talking about flight demonstrations with human beings that are one-of-a-kind aircraft. NASA can't do this on their own. We need private companies, universities to help us with this exploration. So just gaining the critical mass to get the brightest minds. I mean, you talk to some of these companies here. These are incredibly bright young engineers, and it is a privilege to be able to work with them and see them put 14, 16-hour days for many, many months because they believe in this future vision of what electric flight could mean across the world in terms of being an incredibly sustainable and environmentally friendly solution. There's other small technologies that you could take out of this. We have these new ele efficient electric motors. We have them mm -hmm. on the airplanes with the propellers right now. But what's to say that you couldn't take that idea and go ahead and make it smaller? Let's start motorizing the wheels of the larger aircraft. Let's, let's slip it into there. Now, instead of having to depend fully on the jet engines, yeah. you can have the motorized wheels to help 
speed up the aircraft as well, so you're losing less fuel on takeoffs. Yeah, and we're already doing studies for large aircraft of hybrid electric systems that can be much more efficient. In fact, we're talking about uh, commercial transports that would be 70% more efficient with drastic reductions in the carbon emissions. And, you know, that's just goodness for all of us. Well, Franklin, we've talked a lot about how NASA got involved in this competition, how CAFE got involved. Now we need to talk about the teams. Yes, and as I said before, a very diverse group of teams from all over and exactly what they did with their aircraft to get it ready for the Green Flight Challenge. So pay close attention and you can determine whether you're going to go with Franklin's Team TeamPipistrelleUSA.com or eGenius, Phoenix, or the feel-good pick of the competition, Embry-Riddle. I'm here with Lori Costello, who is the student lead for the Embry-Riddle Eco Eagle. Now, the only part of this glider that she actually really used is the frame. Talk to me about the hybrid uh, uh, reconfiguration of this aircraft. Well, basically, we took everything out of the engine compartment, which is located aft of the cockpit, and then we took everything forward of the cockpit out. So we put in a Rotax 912, which is a gas engine, and then we put in a 40-horsepower electric motor. We also cut into the wings and put battery trays in the wings, and then we put in a far more efficient propeller up front. So we had to do all of that. This kind of sounds like it's a flying Prius. <laughs> um, sort of, but we're not charging back up the batteries. And we can switch between the gas and the electric whenever we want. So the basic flight profile is to take off with a gas engine and then to transition to electrical power once we get into our cruising portion of our flight. Now, could you take us through a few of the features of the plane that you incorporated for the challenge? For better crew communication, we have the seats uh, side by side. It allows a lot of sharing of responsibilities as opposed to front to back seating. It's uh, got a ballistic parachute system that comes out from the center of the wing. You can see this red handle oh. yeah, right between the seats. Um, if we pull that red handle, a uh, pyrotechnic device pulls a parachute uh, straight up and in about two seconds we're under a very large round parachute. That was one of the requirements for the challenge? Yes, uh, the organizers assumed that people would be pushing things to the limit and flying as fast as they dare. Now another feature I'm noticing is the I call it an odd placement of the propeller, and I don't know that that's true or not, but what's the motivation behind the design well, it's, here? it's optimal. If you put the propeller on the nose, you have this high wind speed blowing over the whole fuselage, and also this is what we call a laminar flow shape, which means it's more like a fish slipping through the water. I'm sure you've noticed that fish and things like that slip through the water with just incredible ease. It's got clean airflow and it's not blowing over anything other than the rudder and that actually gives us a little bit better control on the ground when we're running the motor so it's the best of everything. The major task is to get a very economical aircraft to optimize it for electric flight. That means not only to install an electric power chain, you also have to optimize the whole aircraft for this item. And therefore, we put the engine in the rear and we integrated the batteries. We optimized the aircraft for very high wing loading for high load because you have to carry a lot of weight due to the battery weight. And this is a real new task for aircraft designers. You're using a particular kind of, of battery. Yes, lithium-ion batteries and a lot of them, of course. 282 kilograms of batteries we have integrated in this plane. And this will uh, provide us the capability to fly maximum four hours and to fulfill the requirements of the Green Flight Challenge. 
Now, unfortunately for this contest, you are unable to uh, actually compete in. Why? What happened? We are, and one of the things you have to understand is that uh, this is the most complex airplane probably on this field. To our left, we have all electric airplanes, and to our right, we have all gas airplanes. This airplane being a historical first, it's got both, and even though that's very common in cars, it's very uncommon in airplanes, so it's very complex. It's been flying for about five weeks, so we consider this still a very R&D-type airplane. And to that end, we only allow required crew, and this particular airplane required crew is one. The sponsors of this contest would like to see two people in the airplane, and that's one of their rules, and we, we understand that that's one of their rules, and we just don't feel comfortable meeting that rule. So we hope to show the airplane here. The airplane actually still has a, a lot to go in improving the efficiency of it, but we're comfortable sitting here showing our airplane and uh, um, seeing how we do right now against the others, sort of in our own controlled safety environment. Uh, we're one of the few, few schools, if not the only school in the United States, that will actually let students operate an experimental airplane that's manned in a contest. Um, but we need to make sure safety is first in our operations. And it doesn't uh, hurt to get a little face time on NASA Edge. It doesn't, man. You guys are great. Jack, my big question is, how did TeamPipistrelleUSA.com get involved in the challenge? Well, when I first heard about the challenge about a year and a half, two years ago, the first thing I did was uh, take a look to see if it was really feasible for an airplane to fly at 200 passenger miles per gallon. And pretty quickly, it turned out if you get a good modern motor glider that you could pretty easily make the 200 passenger miles per gallon as long as you can modify the aircraft and still meet all the other requirements. So Pipistrelle came up with the idea of putting together two of their Taurus fuselages. Uh, and in fact, everything from one fuselage outboard is entirely stock Taurus. And it's only the inner wing and the nacelle that you see there that's been completely especially built for the competition. Sorry, the what? The nacelle? Uh, yeah, the nacelle is, is that, that large pod in the middle that says Pipistrelle on it in oh, large I, letters. Okay. And inside the nacelle, we've got the electric motor, the speed controller, a gearbox, and some of our batteries. One of the things that we're doing is, is we're getting really high accuracy and high density meteorology data from Penn State's Department of Meteorology. So we know wind fields to really high accuracy at four kilometer spacing up there and at altitude spaced by about 300 foot intervals. So we really, really know what the wind is doing up there. And we're using those predictions of wind to help plan our path around the course. So we know whether it's worth it to fly high to take advantage of winds at high level or whether we should stay low. And we're gonna know how much power we have to put into the airplane and how fast the airplane should fly to maximize the miles per gallon that we're flying. The team has flown, and have they come back and said, yes, this is excellent, this is getting us the data that we need? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, on our miles per gallon flight yesterday, for the first few laps, we were flying the course within 1% of our predicted energy consumption. Oh, great. So, so Yeah, so we're ecstatic about uh, how closely our predictions are matching our actual performance of the airplane. It sounds like there's a lot of activity going on during these flights. Do you ever get a chance just to look around and think how great it is you're flying in Northern California and just enjoying the beauty? Is there any time to do that? Of course, if you want. I always, you know, I'm always looking outside, of course. And yesterday we flew up to the north and then we could see the seaside in the west. We could see the Bay of San Francisco in the south. We could see this little fog which was on the coastline. It was beautiful, purely beautiful. <laughs> That's Klaus from my team. What about, what about Jack from uh, Team Pepperstrell? Hey, a, a, again, admittedly, very competent guy, but I'm still sticking with E-Genius. Well, you know, if Chris were here, he'd be pulling for uh, Jack because this is fellow alum from uh, Penn State. 
Yeah, is that tampering? <laughs> anyway, it's been a great competition. It's been great to see these teams actually run through the course and get to know them a little bit. There's lots of stories behind these guys. And you know, you got to have a heart for the uh, team from um, Embry-Riddle with the Eagle Eagle. It's one thing to see engineers, seasoned veterans out here and engineers who have been in the game for years, but you have students, actually almost kids over here working on this aircraft, and they were just happy to get here and in this case demonstrate the, their aircraft. And then of course Team Phoenix during all the competition is flying like an ace pilot doing all kinds of maneuvers. So we've seen a lot of diversity in the teams and even in how they approach the competition. So we're really looking forward to finding out what the judges had to say in the competition and finding out who's gonna win the Green Flight Challenge 2001 sponsored by Google. Good afternoon, and welcome to today's awards ceremony here at the NASA Ames Research Center at Moffett Field, California. And it's a wonderful day to announce the winner of the first Green Flight Challenge. In first place with a passenger miles per gallon of 403.5 is the Langolin Aerospace LLC Pipistrel USA team led by Jack Langolin. Your prize is $1.35 million. Well, congratulations, Sam, on a successful Centennial Challenge, the Green Flight Challenge. I understand TeamPipistrelUSA.com won with a 403.5 passenger mile per gallon score. What is passenger mile per gallon? Well, it's our way to be able to have a good baseline for how do you measure what the efficiency of the aircraft was. Some aircraft have four passengers, some have two, some have one. And so how do you take advantage of being able to measure it equally for everybody? The best way to explain it would be, with again, but going back to the Prius. They get about 40 miles per gallon, and if you put five people in it, you have five times the 40 miles per gallon, you have 200, five times 40, passenger miles per gallon of gas consumed. When you started this competition, I understand that you were only requiring or expecting people to approach that 200 passenger mile per gallon area. You gotta be pretty excited. I am, with the 403, exactly. Because when we first set up the rules for this competition two years ago and said we need 200 passenger miles per gallon, we were scoffed at. People thought that there was, that's totally unachievable. There's no way you're going to have any winners. But yet here we are two years later, and not only did we meet the 200 passenger miles per gallon equivalent, we completely surpassed it. We doubled it with over 400 passenger miles per gallon equivalent. But I understand that you were involved in a little bit of a guess as to who might be the winner. Yes, uh, I picked E-Genius, but they, were, they did very well at the, the over 350-something. So I only think it's fitting you as the loser can, can, can present Franklin, the winner, with the check. This is so unfair. I, I, Franklin does not deserve a big check. Of course, to Franklin, this is probably a normal size check. <laughs> it works. Double or nothing, the bank does not cash that check. You are on. Sucker. Twin Abe Lincolns. Make that out to every man. And in the memo line, put college fund. It's ridiculous. Thank you. 